We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Oh, everybody's got the fall blues, don't they? <laughs> I only heard one good morning. It was good morning. <laughs> Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Philippians. It's Philip and his ends. Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Let's talk about continuing to press on, press in, and press out. Continue to press on, press in, and press out. The, the greatest concern that I as a pastor have for our church is that we're committed to Jesus Christ. C committed to Him. That's, that's hugely important. Not committed to this church. Being committed to this church cannot be your first prerequisite, your first committed to Jesus Christ first. Uh, you can be committed to this church and not be committed to Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people that are committed to their church today. They're just not committed to the Lord. Uh, don't be committed to religion. Don't you know you can be committed to religion and still not be committed to Jesus Christ. Think, think. Let me just give you an example. Uh, there are guys that are involved still in the Italian mafia. You know what the Italian mafia? You know what the mafia is? Okay. There are people that are involved in. They attend Catholic math, mass regularly, but they're unaffected by what they hear, but simply because their commitment is not to Jesus Christ. If their commit was to Jesus Christ, they, first of all, they would change their mode of thinking religiously, but they would also change their mode of thinking uh, mafia-wise as well. And I know that's out kind of a... So how about the Sunday morning drug dealers? You know there are drug dealers that... There's a, I know a pastor in Fort Worth that tell, he said once a month... This drug dealer comes to my church. He's a known drug dealer in the city of Fort Worth. And he says he puts this big roll of money in the offering plate. And I said, well, do you accept it? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, good for you. If he offers it to God, it's God's. You know, whatever. I said, the whole reason I'm saying this is there are Sunday morning drug dealers who are unaffected by what they hear on Sunday because Monday through Saturday, they're still drug dealers. So it's commitment. It's about being commitment. You, we have to be committed to him first. There's the on again, off again, when I need him Christian, when I don't need him Christian. We got to be com committed means I always need him. I'm always on with him. It's never an on again, off again. And I have to ask myself, am I committed to Jesus? Where he's, and this is what commitment means. He's first and foremost in everything of my life. He's first and foremost in everything of my life. Philippians chapter 3. We'll read it here in a second. 10 through 16. But you can, yeah. We'll read it here in a second. Everything that I do, he has to be first. No matter what it is. When he's, 
When he's first in everything, that means I'm committed. When we're committed to him, not the church, not the pastor, nor any source or calling, everything else falls into place. You know, people have often questions. You know, you, you talk with people a lot. You know, I've been doing this in the church, and I've done that, and I'm always faithful to this, and I do this, and, and I don't understand why I'm having this going on. And say, so, listen, well, is your, are you doing all that? is a commitment to Jesus Christ or you doing it as a commitment to the pastor or as a commitment to your family because they're part of the church. What is your commitment level to him? So we're going to talk about, you know, pressing on, pressing in and pressing out. You know, when we, this makes sense. When you, when you're committed to him first, everything else in your life aligns. Doesn't mean you don't have problems but it aligns. And that means in your problems, because you have proper alignment, then you can get the proper answer to the problem. That's, that's being committed to him. The scripture doesn't say, but I, you know, I wonder if Paul was at or near the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I just wonder if he was somewhere near, if he was at, if it, what, what the scripture really doesn't tell us. But regardless, his encounter uh, on the road to Damascus changed him from being a minister of murder to a minister of, of word. I mean, whatever knowledge he had of Jesus, and we know he had knowledge of Jesus about his teachings. We know he had knowledge of Jesus about his healings. We know he had knowledge of Jesus about his followers because he wanted to put an end to that movement. So he knew something about it, and he was committed to his movement. But on that road to Damascus, he changed his entire commitment in that single event. So in his letters to the churches, he would write later, that he, and he would address, it's what I want to talk about today. And that's pressing on, pressing in, pressing out. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3. I have that deal, you know, that spell deal that you have when you're printing. And so right here, read, uh, uh, it's not Philippians. It's the Philippines. <laughs> I just noticed it. It's the Philippines. <laughs> let's look at. Chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I probably should have read this in the NIV. <laughs> A lot of apprehending going on there. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. That word press right there in the Greek means I pursue. I, I am in, in flight. I am pursuing. So he said, he said I, I pursue toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I, I, I'm in pursuit toward the mark for the prize. What is the prize? It's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's our prize. And that's why I want to be like him. That's, that's what he's saying here. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if, if a lot of people think where it says perfect there, well, that eliminates me. I'm not perfect. That word perfect is mature. We're looking for maturity here. So let us, therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it even this unto you. I like that God would reveal people's un un immaturity. God reveals your immaturity. Don't wait for the pastor or your Sunday school teacher, whoever, to, to reveal to you your immature places. 
God will, if you'll just pay attention and try to be like Jesus, he'll, so God shall reveal this. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, there's some things, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So, Paul wants to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. In other words, when you read this, what you're looking at here is Paul wants to be like Jesus. He wants to apprehend, he wants to attain and be like Jesus. You know, a lot of people don't look at Jesus as Jesus really was. Jesus was kind. Jesus was hardworking. Yes, he was. Jesus was compassionate, obedient, thoughtful, focused. There are many. Jesus was adventurous. Who else would walk out in a, in a storm on the water? I mean, Jesus was adventurous. Jesus wasn't a wimp. Jesus wasn't a wimp. And I'm not going to say he was a man's man because a man's man is not the same as a God's man. He was a God's man, way beyond a man's man. He took on demon-possessed possession. He, he didn't back away from devils. You know, some of, some of us just love this time of year because we can sit in front of and watch a movie and be scared to death of these devil movies. It's Halloween business. And you can, be a, you can be scared but sit in the comfort of your home knowing that all you got to do is flip the channel off. But you know devil possession is real. Devil is real. Hollywood has just made money off of it. And have you ever encountered someone that's been devil possessed? Is that have you ever been? In, it's very, very real. I understand Jesus never backed down from that, and his his quest for us is that we never back down from it. It's not we need to be like him. So Jesus stepped on the toes of the religious, didn't he? He never backed away from a challenge. Jesus was beaten. He was whipped, nailed to a cross, and he was still a man, wasn't he? Most of all, he was perfect. That word perfect here means without sin, not mature. Jesus was mature, but he was without sin. He knew no sin. So Paul said, I want to be like that Jesus. Now, you know, that seems like, man, that's an extreme. I can never get there. But God never gives us something we cannot attain. He never gives us something. It may take our lifetime, and we may not attain it all. Because notice that last verse, nevertheless, where to where we've, you know, we have already attained. There's places we have already attained. We've gotten to. There are places in your life that you have become like Jesus. Now grasp that for a second. There are places in your life where you have become like Jesus. That's our he is the focal point. He is the one we're not after being like, you know, the group I came from, Paul and Jesus were pretty close to the same. Paul was almost Jesus. That's how much confidence they had in the Apostle Paul. Sometimes they would make statements like, well, Paul wrote what Jesus meant to say. I heard that said. Paul wrote what Jesus meant. No, no. Paul wrote what Jesus said to say. He was influenced by the Spirit. And so understand this. Our focus and our focal point, who we want to be like, is not the Apostle Paul. I don't want to be like Paul because he, he had a bad end. He went on to meet the Lord, but he had a bad I don't want to have a bad end. I want to have a good end. That's not my cause to make, but I don't want to be like Peter. I don't want to be like Abraham. I don't, we all want to be like Jesus. We want, we, want to, we want to press on first. So we, 
He's saying here, I want the deepest, fullest, richest experience I can have with my master. And keep in mind, his introduction to Jesus was blindness. His introduction to Jesus was blindness. Yeah, on the road to Damascus. His introduction to Jesus was a voice that, you know, he had not heard before. His, his introduction to Jesus was instruction. Listen, I know who you are. You're, the, you're, you're Saul. You're, you're the one that's been going around killing all my people. But now you're going to do, you need to do, you need to go forth with what I'm about to tell you. And so his introduction to Jesus was obedience. And so, and all these things, that brought Paul into a place where he could be in relationship with Jesus Christ. See, oftentimes we think our conversion, if you will, is, is what makes us like him. It only brings us into a kingdom where we can learn to be like him. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So that's what we're going to talk about. Nothing was going to stop Paul. He said, look, in Philippians 1 and 21, let's just back up here in Philippians 1 and 21. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. How many of us, we can all say that as Christians and smile, but how many of us can say that truthfully? For me to live is Christ. What is he saying there? He's saying, listen, I want to be like Jesus. When people see me, they don't need to see me. They need to see Jesus. Not that I am him, but that I am like him. So much so that for me to die is gain. For me to die, for me to not be me, but to be Jesus, to be like him, is my gain. And so for us to press on, because we read the, 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 the Scripture earlier. You know, we, we, press, we press toward the mark. We pursue it. Verse 15 says, All of us who are mature should take such view of things. In, in chapter 3. Take the view of what view of things? The view that we just read. That, you know, we understand that we have not attained. We understand that there, there is some attaining to do. But we also understand there's a maturity in us that we have attained some things. So Paul said we need to press on. To be like him. So as you press on, you're going to want to press in. So the first thing is pressing on. What does it mean to press press on? It's just don't give up. Keep moving forward. Keep them chopping. The reason you want to move forward is if you fall, you fall on your knees. So when you move backwards, you fall well. Y'all figure that one out. That's why we move forward. We press on. We move forward. Because when we fall, we fall on our knees and we fall in a place of submission and obedience and, and prayer. So uh, he's saying, though, we need to take a mature view of these things. One of the problems that you find in Christianity is people not willing to take a mature view of where I'm at and where I need to be. Most Christians are pretty satisfied with where they're at. Honestly, I mean, you, you can t tell yourself a lie or you can tell yourself the truth. Except most of us get satisfied with where we're at. It's not that we don't continue moving forward, but we get satisfied. What Paul is saying is, listen, in the maturity, you understand that you have attained some things. Be mature about what you've attained, but keep pressing on. So pressing on keeps moving. So now we've got to press in. You know, listen, life equals risk. Would you all not agree with that? 
Life equals risk. There's risk in all of life. And that which equals is pressing on is pressing in. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote about pressing in. In James 4 and 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's now pressing in. We're pressing on, moving forward, but now pressing in is that we come near to God. There's an inside. You know, we, we talk about the, the Jesus had a, had a group of guys that were his inner circle. They had pressed into him. It wasn't that Jesus loved them more than he loved the other group. It was that, that that little inner circle loved Jesus more than the rest of the group did. They were pressing into him. They were, they were discovering more about him. They were trying to be more like him. It says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Pressing in is extremely important because it involves commitment. And this is the huge part of Christianity is the commitment part, being committed when I think of being committed, the first thing I think about is someone that's insane and they're committed into an asylum. I, I, that's from old movies and old stuff. Yeah, we don't, I don't even think we have asylums anymore. I don't think those things exist. I think government did away with those. But when I think of commitment, being committed, and what, what does that mean? That means that you have been deemed mentally incompetent and now you have to be cared for the rest of your life in a situation where you can't get out of it. So what if you're committed to Jesus Christ? You're committed into his, not asylum, but into his kingdom. You've been deemed incompetent within yourself, and you need him to watch over you the rest of your life. That's being committed to Jesus Christ, understanding that without him, you have nothing. That's what real commitment. We think commitment is we show up every Sunday. We tithe faithfully. We reach out to the lost. Those are all obedient acts, but commitment is a whole different thing. Commitment is being, it's pressing in. It's, what does it mean? To, well, press in defines is something that when you look at Webster's Dictionary, when you look at the word press or pressing, pressing, that's something that's extremely important. The word is a prep, as a preposition uh, has to do with a particular locale or location. But the word as a verb means close quarters. So, or as an adverb, rather, means close quarters. So when you're looking at pressing in, what you're looking is you're, you're moving into close quarters with God. Jesus said, you know, there's going to be some that say, well, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Didn't we do great things? Didn't we do all those things? He says, depart from me. You never pressed in. Depart from me. We never had a connection. Depart from me. I never knew you. That word knew doesn't mean he didn't physically know who you are. He physically knows who you are. It means that he didn't have a, as Adam knew Eve, he didn't have that intimate connection with you. There wasn't a commitment on your part. He made a commitment, didn't he? He made it at Calvary. But the other part is our commitment to him. So if you don't press in, if you don't stay close, you're going to run into some problems. You're going to run into some problems. The biggest problem with not pressing in to Jesus is that you, don't, you can't learn how to be like Jesus unless you press in. That means you've got to dig in. I can stand here all day and tell you how you need to be like Jesus. That makes no difference. Until you yourself look in the Word and, and you grasp that Word and eat it and learn what it means to be like Jesus, all the preaching and teaching you get 
It's just preaching and teaching. It's knowledge. Knowledge is not a commitment. It's a learning experience. It's a learning experience. Something that you didn't know, you have knowledge of, means you've learned of it. But commitment means you experience it. And so the only way you're going to experience knowing what it means to live like Jesus is to what? First, you've got to learn it. You've got to know what it's talking about. And that's one of the reasons we're here that we preach and teach is so we can understand what we're talking about. But then the next thing is you have to experience it. You have to experience it. Pressing in means you experience what it was like to be like Jesus. So let me ask you this question. What is it like to be like Jesus? Pressing in. Pressing in. What is it? If I was going to be like Jesus, what would I do? Things that he did. What did Jesus do? Okay. Yeah. One of the things that's impressive to me about the man Christ Jesus was, yes, he was God in the flesh, but he had, there was the tendency of the flesh because he said, don't, you know, really, if I can go past, if I can get, not have to do this, I don't want to do this because, but not my will, but thine be done. He's speaking of the will of the flesh. There is a will of the flesh, but Jesus was over, Jesus overcame the world. He overcame sin. He overcame the devil. He also overcame the flesh. If Jesus couldn't have not been tempted and do something, there was no point in him being tempted. If it was impossible for him not to do something in the flesh, then the temptation was null and void. It was meaningless. But Jesus overcame the temptation with word. And that's impressive because just what you said was that he he had this, if we can call it, thick skin. He didn't care what the Pharisees said or the Sadducees or the scribes or other religions or other people or even his own disciples. He didn't care what they said. He, he cared about them, but what, what they said did not influence him. It did not influence his thinking. It did not influence his purpose. It did not influence his focus. He never lost any of those things. And so, yeah, that's one of the things we have to understand as Christians. We deem it in America is that when somebody talks about us being Christians, if they talk negative, we're being, yeah, oh, my goodness, we're now being tortured for the name of Jesus. Somebody called me a Christian and made fun of me. Oh. What else would Jesus do? What what else was Jesus like? We need to do some studying, don't we? <laughs> what he was about. Jesus, listen, one of the reasons we have a hard time being like Jesus is we never really look at how Jesus was. We read the stories of what he did. But we don't look at how he was. How did he react? What did he say? What was was it a compassion? Because when they turned them, when, when they were turning money over and selling old doves and all that stuff, Jesus came in and he overturned the tables. I can guarantee you, he didn't say, "All right, fellas, y'all quit doing this in here. This is the house of prayer." 
Yeah. There, do, we, do we really look at how Jesus approached things, the manner in which he spoke, what he said and why he said it? Jesus always, even to the Pharisees, Jesus, Jesus would speak in a redemptive manner, trying to get them to understand that what they're doing is wrong. You can never repent of something if you don't understand first that what you're doing is wrong. You, you won't change. If you don't think it's wrong, you're not going to change from it. So Jesus was a very redemptive, and, you know, do we approach people in that manner? When somebody does us wrong, do we approach them to help them to understand that what they did was wrong and they need to be redeemed from it? Or do we approach them to saying what they did was wrong because they did it wrong to me? What you did was wrong to me. You need to understand that what you did was wrong because you did wrong to me. Is that, is that why we help people understand? Because that's not Jesus. But Paul said, oh, I want to be like him. I, I want to be like him. You understand Paul was very ruthless. He was a very ruthless man. He would divide families, put men and women in jail, have some of them killed. I would deem that as a terrorist. It's the first terrorist we read about in Scripture. He was a, ter- he was a terrorist against Christians. So Paul, when he had a conversion, said, I want to you know, press in. Not only have I been converted, I want to be like this Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When you were converted, did you automatically become everything that Jesus is? Why not? Children. Because there, there's a maturing that has to go on, correct? So do you think Paul automatically became, see, we, we look at Paul like he automatically became, you know he and Peter had a problem, right? That kind of a problem. <laughs> he was immature in some ways. The whole reason I'm saying this is that we have to take a glance at ourselves and see what part we are in the pressing in. Are, are we mature in our pressing in? That means, are we becoming more like him? Can I say that my actions toward my fellow man are like Jesus' actions? You know, the what would Jesus do kind of went away, didn't it? That thing, it was a fad, it went away. But that's the real question. That is the real question. What would Jesus do? So how, how, what else was Jesus like? Loved others? Compassionate? Focused? That was it. Thirty-three and a half years focused on. Question: Are you are you focused? <laughs> Am I focused? Well, I'm kind of focused. It depends on what day of the week it is, as to what I'm focused on. Jesus never lost focus of his purpose. Now, understand your purpose in God and get focused on it. When you do that. All this other business that you're having problems with is going to fall into place. The reason that we flounder like we do a lot of times is that we lose focus of the purpose in Jesus Christ. And that's to be like, when you focus on being like Him, the rest of this doesn't mean you won't have problems. 
but you will learn how to discern and how to develop and how to get through those with a mature fashion and then become, as Paul said, more mature in them. So reading and studying your Bible, that's a good way to find out what Jesus was like. But you need to go back to Genesis to start. Most of us would have write the Matthew, wouldn't we? Yeah, sure we would. You need to go all the way back to Genesis to find out what Jesus is really like. A creator. New Testament verses says that by him were all by him, his hands were all things created, speaking of Jesus Christ. By him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created. So understand some things about he he creates. Do I create? Most of the time in Don's life, he creates havoc when he should be creating peace. So let me move on. Again, as pastor, my greatest concern is that we're committed to him first. That all everything else, like all the stuff we do here, all takes its place. All the stuff you do at home all takes its place. Your, your social events, they all take place. They all move. And, you know, God wants us to be balanced. We all have heard that taught and preached. And God wants us to all be balanced. And that's what focus does. I had this, this real deal every now and then happens. And it used to happen when I eat, drank a lot of uh, caffeine. But every now and then I had an episode not long ago where I lose my balance. I lose my uh, equilibrium. And I, I can't. Here's the strange thing about it. I can sit in a room and focus, focus, and I can find a, somewhere in that room, find something. I don't know if it's the correct depth, what it is, but if I focus on that thing, everything stops spinning. Everything stops moving. I don't have, but the minute I get foc- unfocused off of that, it starts spinning again. It's kind of like us and Jesus. We're spinning, spinning, spinning until we focus on Him. As long as we keep our focus on Him, we all this spinning business doesn't go on in our life. Do we have issues and problems? Yes. But we're not spinning out of control. He's got it. It's when we keep our focus off of Him. So Him first. But remember, we still focus on Him, but we still need each other, right? There's a reason we meet together here. I need you as much as you need me. And you need me as much as I need you. We need each other. But Jesus was very adamant about that. The need for one another. That's why he chose 12 disciples, and that's why he had the apostle. It was the need to have one another. So when we press in together, we're not only seeing change in our lives. When you press in towards Jesus, you're not just affecting you. You're not just becoming more like you because you're part of the body. You're attaching somebody else with you. When you become more like Jesus, because I, I made mention this morning that we were talking, there's some people in the church that I've seen have drastically in the last few months made this push upwards in God, in their life. You can see it. It's evident. People are talking about it. People come to me and say, hey, what's going on with so-and-so? Look like they're a totally different person. It's like something happened in their life. You know what? They're becoming more like Jesus, and it will attract others. It, 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 you can't help it. It's part of what we do. So, yeah, there are always going to be challenges, but pressing in is going to make you better in facing the challenges, right? Being more like Jesus. We often say, man, if, in this situation, if I was Jesus, I would. You ever said that? In this situation, if I was Jesus, I would, because Jesus is able to handle it. That's where he wants to take you. So the last thing is, is pressing out. We're going to press on. We're going to move forward. We're going to press in. We're going to find out who he is to be like him. So before I press out, I have to ask this question. Do we really 
understand who he is. Speaking of Jesus, do we really understand who he is? That's very important to understand who he is. You cannot be like him if you don't know him and know who he is. So there's two ways to press out. We're going to talk what does that mean. Uh, one way, is, obviously, is the obvious. To press out means to go outside. It means to tell others about what you know. Everything that you know about Jesus, tell others. Everything you know about him, tell others. Tell people about him. Reach beyond your walls, not the, the church. We need to reach beyond your walls. You know, we speak about the walls of the church, but you know you can take the walls of the church outside with you. You can walk through your life being in, inside the walls of the church and never be in this building. We have to go outside our walls. We have to go into what's the world. and We have to tell someone. Press it. it's a, that's a sign of commitment. When, when, you're, when you're telling people about who Jesus is and what he is in your life, that's a sure sign of commitment. It's a sure sign of you understanding who Jesus is. It, it's not about me. It's not all about me. It's not all about, it's not all about us. It's amazing to me of the 50, 60, and 70-year-old people that I know that it's still all about me. I know people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that their life still revolves around themselves. That's the craziest thing. That means they've, here's the problem with that. That means they have totally missed out on their life. God had something for them in their life. They totally missed out on it because they concentrated on me. They didn't reach outside of themselves. And so me became the major focus. I had a cousin up until I guess he was probably about 15 when his mom had, had, had uh, my cousin. Uh, he was an only child. And, you know, if you're an only child, that's fine. Don't, 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 don't misread what I'm about to say here because what I'm going to say is kind of is common but not always the fact. Most of the chi- time an only child, when you confront them or, or around them, you find out they're self-absorbed. But it's not, the, it's not their fault. If they were the only child, and so their parents put all self into them. And so, you know, I learned real quickly, having brothers, that, you know, I couldn't be selfish. There wasn't any time for that. You, you didn't get any, you know, trying to be selfish with my parents. We didn't get any. They didn't feel sorry for me at all. I had three brothers. But the problem with, with only children is that they tend to gravitate within themselves. And It's natural. It's natural. It's, it's, he was the guy, every time we, we went over to see Charlie, that was my cousin, invariably, I had to put him in his place. Y'all know what that means. I'm not going to, because I, deta- it, it, I disdained him thinking everything was about him. I'm the second son. Nothing's about me. That's how I thought. So there's just the opposite side of it as well. But I disdained that he thought everything was about him. And so I made sure he understood, this is not all about you, buddy. This is about us. And I was older than him, so it was a little easier for me to handle him. But we have to understand something. When, when it's about us, we lose out on a lot of things. You know, after his sibling was born, he changed. Even at 15 years old. When he had a sibling, he changed the way. And so we have to understand that together we're brothers and sisters. We're siblings together. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about all of us. That, that's part of understanding how you press out. The other way uh, is just by serving. 
Jesus was the master servant. He wasn't the servant to the master. He was the ma- you know what the master is? There's none above the master, right? The master's the top. CEO. Jesus was the CEO of servants. He showed us how to serve. See, in America, we don't like that word. That means somebody, we sit at a table and somebody serves us. And so when they're serving us, they're a little bit below us because they're serving us. I know y'all don't think that, and I don't think, but you know, a lot of times we act that way. You understand servers make their living serving, right? You gratuity tip is based on what? Say again? Service? Have you ever had a bad server? So have I. What was your gratuity? Huh? You just what? You tip the same regardless? Not nobody. What if Jesus tipped us based on our service? What if Jesus tipped you, what, what, his gratuity, based on your service? <laughs> Being like Jesus. You know what? Jesus is gratuitous to us regardless of our service. But he doesn't want us to continue us in poor service, right? As opposed to the one being served? So if you're a server. Right. That means you have to you have to put on the hat of Jesus. See, really what you're actually saying here. Them. And what does Jesus say? It's not about, Jesus said this, it's not about me. It's all about you. Yeah. It's about those people, you know, so if I'm serving the food, 
this experience could very well determine my trip. It could very well make me change my day. Just like if I drop that drink on that person that's trying to sleep, you know, it could also cause cause a problem again. So that's a chance too. So Next time you go to a restaurant, I'm going to challenge you to do something. When you sit down, you take on the attitude of the server when you sit down. Take on the attitude of the server. Everything you do is going to be in service to the person that's serving you. You understand that what Jesus has done. Everything he does, he took on, even though it is our place to serve him, his attitude and who he is is to serve us. And when you look in the new Jerusalem, when you get back, look in Revelation, here's what you're going to find out about Jesus. Because we, we read about there's going to be all this worship and there's going to be, and there's going to be all these things. But you know what the scripture says Jesus is going to do for us in the new Jerusalem? He's going to serve us. Look at it in Revelation. He's going to serve us even after we're, all of this is done. He's still going to serve us because that is who he is. And so that's a big part of pressing out is learning that no matter where you're at, serve. It doesn't matter what you're doing, serve. It doesn't matter if you're the most important person in the room, serve. It doesn't, no, it doesn't serve. That's what it's all about. It's getting out of your service means you get out of your comfort zone. It means you get out of your comfort zone. You know, I, I don't know that I could be a, a, a restaurant server. I don't know that I could do that because I'm, I'm way out of my comfort zone there. I mean, I like people, but, you know, that, that's way out of my deal. But I, what it, when we serve others, when we help others, when we meet the needs of others, Jesus said we're being him. We're, we're pressing out. We're, that's what we're doing, learning to, to serve. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers of mine, and whatever you did for the least of these, these brothers of mine, you did it to me. You know, oftentimes we get aggravated because of certain things or because we're treated in certain ways. But Jesus said, listen, how, however you want to treat, that's how you treat me. So if, if we just take on the idea that we're continually serving Jesus, then we have become more like Jesus than we can ever imagine. Time and again, Jesus showed us uh, how to really reach out. We, we know that our world's full of, listen, there are people that are going to sit down in a restaurant. They're going to people that are going to come to your place of business. They're going to come to your school. They're going to do other things. There are people that are just full of evil. Their whole day is marked. They're not going to have a great day until they make somebody really mad or hurt somebody's feelings. Once they've done that, their day is made. They're, they're, there's people that are that way. That can't stop me from doing the Lord's bidding, though. That can't stop me from being the servant that I need to be. Is it hard to be a servant when somebody's mean to you? Sure it is. Was it hard for Jesus? He overcame that, didn't he? Even though they were mean to him, he overcame that, and he, he, he expressed it back in servitude. Say again? Yeah. They just didn't call him names. They did call him names, but they were just, yeah.
Sit down on the horn. What were you saying, the, the Roman soldiers? Yeah, he said, Father, forgive these. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't, they don't get it. Now, this goes way beyond just the fact that there were people there doing things. This, that reaches into your life and my life. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's not just what happened at the cross. That's, that's our lives. As long as people have problems, listen, understand this. As long as people have problems with drugs and alcohol and crime, sexual immorality, they have health problems, they have financial problems, whatever problems. You know what? We, you, we have to continue to press on, press in, and press out. That's what we're called to do. There's a calling in Christ Jesus, Paul said. We press toward the mark of the prize. That, that is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We press our mark. What we're pressing toward is just to be like him. Man, if we could, if I could, there are situations in my life, I could, if I could have just been like Jesus, the outcome would have been so much different. People's lives would have been affected so much differently. It wasn't about how good or bad it would have been for me, but what it would have been for them. You know, have you, have you thought a person you crossed paths with in your life and you thought, man, I wish I had one more shot? Man, if I could just have one more shot, Lord, I would tell them what they, you know, but had, I had a shot if I'd have just been like Jesus. And that's what, you know, it's not to look back and condemn ourselves, but to understand, take every chance you have, every opportunity you have to press in, press in, press on, press out, keep moving forward, don't look back. And when we do that, listen, we... When we learn to just press, just to pursue, pursue him, how much difference it makes in the lives of others. If we'll stop trying to make a difference in our life and start making a difference in others' lives, watch what kind of difference it makes in your world. Anybody have any? Press, it, press on, press in, press out. Okay, let's take a break. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.